Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church. It's such an honor to have you. I'm so excited. We're starting a brand new series today on habits, and this has been so helpful for me over the last couple of weeks as I've been preparing and studying, and I hope it's going to be helpful for you too. I realize we have people tuning in from all kinds of different spiritual journeys, and so I want you to know no matter where you are on your faith journey, you are loved, safe, and welcome in this community. And man, our desire is to meet you where you are and help you take some next steps. And so man, lean in. I think this is going to be helpful no matter where you are. But I want you to evaluate, kind of since COVID has changed the climate, I think COVID has been more than an interruption. It's really been a disruption, right? I want you to think about just what it's done in your life and kind of reflect over the last couple of months since COVID changed things. Um, Has more of your life been reactive or or proactive since uh, late March, early April? Like, like, I want you to think, do you have any new habits that have formed since COVID shut things down, whether they're intentional or unintentional? Do you have good habits? Did you start eating healthier meals at home more? Do you have more family time? Do you have unhealthy habits? Do you have more Netflix binging happening? Do you have, uh, you know, maybe the process, did you lose any good habits? I want you to think about that for a sec. Like, did you stop going to the gym or, or did you stop connecting in community or maybe you've stepped away from church for a while? I don't know where you are, but I want you to ask the big question today. Who are you becoming? Like, like, are you closer or further away from the person that you want to be in this season? As we start this new series, I think it's going to speak a lot into this conversation. But first, I want to give you a resource. There's a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear, and it's really influenced a lot of the dialogue we're going to have over the next three weeks. And so if you want to take this conversation a step further, I highly recommend this book. It's been really instrumental and helpful for me, and I think it'll be helpful for you as well. But, but here's why this conversation matters. As we're having this conversation, Sean Covey says it this way. He says, our habits will make or break us. And, and you know this. I know this intuitively in the back of my mind. We become what we repeatedly do. We, we become what we repeatedly do. Another way to say it is that you reap what you sow. Or in, in Galatians 6, Paul says it this way. He says that you harvest what you plant. Think about it for just a second. This is, this is a no-brainer. This is totally consistent with how God has made the world. It's, the, it's consistent with the decisions that you make, right? What happens? If I plant corn, I get corn, right? If, if I plant junk food in my life, I, I get some love handles, right? If, if I plant anger in my home, I get a discouraged family. If I plant gym time, then I, I, I might get a six-pack. If I plant the other kind of six-pack, then I might end up with a keg, right? I, if I plant God time in my life, then I develop a closer relationship and intimacy with God. It, it's, it's constantly, man, you reap what you sow. And again, I want you to ask the question, who is it that you want to become, where, where, what areas do you want to be successful? Where, 
Where do you want to thrive? And I, I want to use that definition loosely. Like, I don't know how you would define success. I'm not talking about like Instagram and TikTok and Hollywood famous. I'm, I'm talking about success in the areas of, of, of areas that you and I all want to thrive in, our health and our relationships and our finances and our generosity and, and our habits, like in our emotional life. And so here's, here's my question. If our habits, whether they're intentional, unintentional, conscious, unconscious, if they play a significant role and who we're becoming, and, and there's some areas that we want to change, which odds are, if you're like me, there's definitely areas you want to see change, th then is there a principle that we need to understand and embrace when it comes to having this conversation? I believe there is, and here, here's what I'd like to propose to you, that successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Craig Rochelle says that successful people do consistently whatever arena of success that you're talking about, what other people do occasionally. And so I want you to think about it. Identify someone who is, who is spiritually thriving and you want to have a spiritual life like theirs. They do consistently in their spiritual life what others do occasionally. Or, or find someone who's financially successful and, and incredibly generous. They're doing consistently what others do occasionally. Find someone who's got a relationally thriving life. Their marriage and their kids and their friends, they're all thriving. They're doing consistently what others do occasionally. The same for someone who's thriving physically or emotionally. Here's what I need you to understand. It's the work that no one sees that produces the results that everyone wants. And so we're going to press into that. I want you to think about the life of Jesus for a second. Can you imagine Jesus just like one day throwing up his hands and saying, man, guys, I just can't find time to pray. I am just so busy. I just can't spend time with God. Like, Man, these disciples, they're driving me crazy, and they're always there, and then every time I turn around, there's another crowd forming, and I just, I just can't find time to pray. No. Jesus didn't say that. Why? Because he had the consistent habit. Everybody say habit. He had the consistent habit of what? Of breaking away to spend time with God. And the byproduct was he had a spiritually thriving life. Now, before you check out because you start to get discouraged because you're like, oh, here's another conversation uh, around type A personalities who get a bunch of stuff done. I'm just never going to be that, and I can't see that progress. Listen, don't check out. You're not alone. Even one of the most famous Christians of the New Testament falls into this category of discouragement at times. Check it out in Romans chapter 7. Look what Paul says in Romans 7. He says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me. <laughs> you ever felt like that? I just suck. That's what he's saying. That, that, that there's nothing good in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what's right, but I don't have the ability to carry it out. I don't do the good that I want to do, but the evil I don't want, it's what I keep on doing. I want to stop eating Oreos before bed, but I pick up another one. I want to stop snapping at anger uh, toward my kids, but I, but I do it anyway. I want to quit staying up late and, and binging Netflix, but... But they had that cliffhanger again, and, you know, I, I want to get up early, but, or I want to be disciplined and organized, but, or, you know, I, I want this, or I want that. And we have these discouraging moments, and honestly, it can kind of feel like there, there's no hope, right? Well, I want to encourage you, there's definitely hope, and here's my prayer, is that not only through this series, you can experience the amazing, amazing life that Jesus has to offer when it comes to having a relationship with him, living with him, walking with him, and following him. But my prayer is also that you and I can develop and live out some small disciplines that lead to a successful, fulfilling life. And if you're a Jesus follower, 
one that brings glory to God and that benefits others. Now, here's part of the discouragement that comes from this conversation, (laughs) is that in January, around New Year's resolution time, we have similar conversations, and 92% of our, our New Year's goals don't make it past March, right? So, so you might ask the question, like, what makes September any different than January? That's a great question. Here's what I'm going to propose, that we're going to move past good intentions in this conversation over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to create a bias toward action. And so I want to ask the question, why is it that we have genuinely good intentions, like all of us can have genuinely good intentions, but then we don't see success on the other side? How do we get stuck? I want to give you today three reasons we don't succeed, three reasons we don't see success. And the first one is this, that we focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. Everybody say how. How do we do it? We focus on the what, the end goal, what what we want to see happen. We we don't understand what's happening in the background, what brings about those results. And so here's here's what's unique. James Clear, in his book, he says that a lot of us have similar uh, goals in life, right? Whether it be health or, you know, finances or relationships or spirituality, we all have very similar goals. And and then at the same time, we can have vastly different results as a a byproduct of those goals. And so how does that happen? I I want you to think about it. No one one sets the bar super low on their goals, right? No one's like, you know what? My goal is to have really, really high cholesterol this year and be about 50 pounds overweight. That's my goal this year. It's going to be awesome. Or for example, I'm uh, about to start doing some marriage counseling with two of my good friends, Seth and Maddie. They're getting married in January. So excited for them. We're going to start it next week. And I can guarantee you I'm not going to sit down with them next week, and as we talk about the goals of their marriage, they're not going to say, you know what, Drake, ideally, you know, if we could, like, shoot for a successful marriage of, like, three to five years before we get divorced, that'd be amazing, right? No one sets the bar that low. Everyone wants a long, lifelong, amazing, helpful, life-giving relationship, yet we can have vastly different results on the other side. How does that happen? James Clear says that winners and losers generally have the same goals. So, so why do we have such different results? It's because our goals don't determine success. The systems operating behind those goals are what bring about success. James Clear says it this way. He says, you don't rise to the level of your goals and your good intentions. You fall to the level of your systems. I want you to think about it for a minute. What, what kind of goals might you just create out of thin air? You're like, oh, you know what? I want to lose 20 pounds, or you know, I want to get out of debt, or I want to be more organized, or I want to be more in, in control of my emotions, or I, I want to be famous on TikTok, or you know, I don't know what it is for you. I want to eat healthy and work out regularly. I don't, I don't know. Whatever it is, you start thinking about those goals. The challenge is that we need to change the systems operating behind those goals that produce the results. And so I hope that I got you a little bit hungry for that conversation. We're not going to deal with that today. That's a little teaser to get you to tune in for the following two weeks where we get really, really practical on influencing the systems behind the goals that we have. But as we have this conversation today, there's a bigger picture I want you and I to lean into, okay? So the first reason is we focus on the what and not the, the, the how, but number two is that we don't see progress fast enough. One of the reasons that we don't see success in the areas that we want to thrive in is, is that we don't see progress 
fast enough, right? We, we work out three times, you develop a new habit. I'm going to go to the gym, got a membership, showed up three times, and then you get on the scale at the end of the week and you gain two pounds and you just throw your hands up and you say, forget it, man, it's not worth it. Or, or you start paying down your debt and you say, you know what, we're going to get serious about this and you stop buying coffee and you save a whole hundred dollars by not buying coffee in the middle of the week and then you put that towards your loan and you had $30,000 on your student loan and then you paid off a hundred dollars and now you don't owe $30,000 anymore, you owe $29,900 and you're like, I'm never going to get out from under this and you give up or, or you start trying to engage in church online because it's a weird season and you can't gather together and then your kids are driving you crazy and the internet failed and you yelled at your kids and you're like, man, this isn't working. It's not even helpful or you start getting into the, the, the Bible and you're reading and, and you're engaging on a daily basis but then you still have struggles and negative mindsets and you're like, man, this is not even worth my time or you stop praying or you start praying and, and, and talking to God about what's going on in your life and things are still not going the way you want want them to and bad stuff is still happening. You're like, man, this stuff doesn't even work. What happens? We start trying it on the front end and then we just start to give up because we don't see results fast enough. Here's what I want you to, to understand is that even though we're not seeing results, it doesn't mean it's not working. The byproduct of this challenge is that we wrongly conclude, hear me, we wrongly conclude that our small good decisions don't matter that much. And then we also wrongly conclude in the opposite direction that my small bad decisions also don't matter that much. And so uh, it's, it's just a midnight snack tonight because I had a long day. And it's, it, you know, we're just going to skip church for the weekend. We're just going to have a cigarette when we're stressed. Or I'm just, you know, it's just a few more minutes of scrolling on Instagram or Facebook. Or it's just one more outfit to go with my shoes. Or it's just, you know, 30 more minutes of this video game. Or it's just one more episode of Netflix. And we, we wrongly assume that our small decisions have no impact. But Craig Rochelle says it this way, that our life is the sum total of all the small decisions that we make. And you know this. In the back of your mind, you know this. That we rarely ruin our lives with one poor decision. What is it? One bad decision after another that culminates in results that we wish we didn't have to experience. On the other side of the conversation, when you look at someone successful, when you look at someone and you say, man, how did they get there? Odds are it's behind the scenes Small, consistent disciplines over time that produce the results that you want. Craig Rochelle says it's the work that no one sees that produces the results that everyone wants. I want to give you an example. Think about water for a sec. Let's just say you take a pot of water, stick it on your oven, and you're going to turn the heat on high. And over time, it's, it's rising in temperature and rising in temperature. And at 211 degrees, what do you have? You have really, really really, really hot water, <laughs> right? And then there's a shift between 211 and 212. What happens? The water begins to boil. The same is true with our habits. If you just take a moment, you add a God-honoring discipline, one small discipline at a time, over and over again, the temperature in your life, it begins to rise, it's, it's being stored up, and you might not be able to see it in the same way. The water is changing, and you can't see it, but there is a tipping point coming, friends. You might not see it, but there is a payoff 
to those investments. You know, we get stuck and we say, oh, man, they're just an overnight success. No, man. Normally, a normal average person who has success in an area that you want success, it's the private sacrifices that no one sees. It's the consistency. It's the self-doubt that you have to get over. It's the failing and starting again. It's the work that no one wants to do that gives us the results that everybody wants. And this is why Paul says in Galatians 6, he says, man, don't get tired. Don't get weary of doing what's good. Don't give up. Because at just the right time, you will reap a harvest, a blessing if you don't give up. Don't get tired of getting up early. Don't get tired of going to the gym. Don't get tired of living on a budget. Don't get tired of engaging in church online. Don't get tired of going to a city group. Don't get tired of loving and serving your neighbors. Don't get tired of being generous. Don't get tired of reading the Bible. Don't get tired of prayer. Why? Because there is a harvest coming. Don't give up. Number three, one of the reasons we don't see success is because our distorted identity, and it sabotages our success. You remember Paul, we looked at him earlier. Here's what he said after he was having that, that struggle of, of, of good habits in his life. He said, oh, what a miserable person I am. You ever felt like that? <laughs> like, I suck, man. <laughs> I just can't get it together. What a miserable person I am. Who's going to free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? He says, man, wh wh where's the hope? There is just nothing that I can do here. Here's what I need you to understand, is that what he's doing in this sentence, in this phrase, he is connecting his activity to his identity. One of the reasons we don't see success is because when we mess up, when we fail, it's not just that we failed, but rather we identify as a failure, becomes a part of our identity. And I need you to know, man, you're not alone if you struggle with this. That we get stuck in these mindsets and we say, man, this is just the way that I am. I'm just always going to be overweight. I'm just always going to be impatient. I'm just, I'm not good with money and I'm not a morning person and I'm just never going to be organized or I'm just, I'm not empathetic or thoughtful or, you know, I'm just too emotional or I'm just too impatient or, man, I'm just not good at this and I'm just not disciplined in that. And we have these negative mindsets that are working in the back of our mind that keep us from seeing progress. Here's what I need you to understand. There's a cycle. An unhealthy identity, it creates unwise habits. And unwise habits they reinforce unhealthy identity. An unhealthy identity creates unwise habits. And unwise habits reinforce unhealthy identity. It's an identity issue. Here's what I want to recommend. Before you and I start with our do goals, I want you to start with a who goal. Who do you want to become? Before you make a long list of all the things you want to get bad, who do you want to be? Why? Because identity, it shapes action. When you know who you are, you know what to do. The do overflows out of the who. I'll give you an example. I, I, I was hanging out with some friends. We had a guy's night uh, not too long ago, and the goal, we were just going to get together and play some games and stay up late, and part of that is eating some food that's probably not great for you, and so we get some Taco Bell, and we get some sugary drinks, and we stay up later than we should, and the next morning, I, I woke up with what felt like a, a junk food hangover, and my body reminded me of who I was. You're no longer a 20-year-old 
in college who can handle Taco Bell, but you are a 31-year-old who can't handle sugary drinks and Taco Bell, and my body absolutely let me know of that reality. What happened? I remembered who I was. When you know who you are, you know what to do. I, I know that's a silly example, but let me help you understand. Paul goes on and he, he says, man, the answer to this challenge, it's almost like he has an interrupted thought. He says, you know what? The answer to this identity issue is Jesus. And you're like, man, I don't know about that. Listen, hang, hang on for a minute, man. It's so, so helpful. He says, the answer is Jesus. Let me give you another example. Let's just say you struggle with uh, uh, smoking cigarettes. And uh, it's a break at work, and you have some buddies you smoke with, and you go outside, and, and you're trying to stop. And, and so one of your friends says, hey, would you like, would you like to smoke? And, uh, and, and you could respond in a couple ways. One way, you could say, you know what, I, I'm trying to stop. And in that moment, what are you doing? You're identifying as a smoker who's, who's struggling to stop. Or you could respond, no, I don't smoke. It doesn't mean you don't have the struggle. It doesn't mean you don't have the desire. What does it mean? <laughs> that you're embracing an identity that is different. This is why Paul says in Romans 6, he says this, he says, I am no longer, I'm sorry, he says, we, we know that our old selves were crucified with Jesus so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. What he's saying is that God in you is greater than the wrong desires in you. So the opposite is true, that a healthy identity creates positive habits, and positive habits, they reinforce a healthy identity. So here's my question. How do we flip the script? How do we get to a place to where we can start seeing success in the small things? Well, for a Jesus follower, guys, listen, if you're a Jesus follower, this is where it gets incredibly powerful, because why? Jesus doesn't just make us better. He makes us new. We have a new identity. And so all of a sudden, it's like, I'm not a slave to my bad habits. But Paul actually would say later, he says, man, I'm a child of God. I'm adopted into the family of God. I'm not alone. I have God's family around me. Because I'm a Jesus follower, man, I'm not my past. I have a new identity. And it could even go like this, man, I'm not a church person. I'm a Jesus person. And because I'm a Jesus person, I'm close to God. Because I'm close to God, I spend time with him and I read the Bible and pray. You see how identity influences activity, right? Because I'm a Jesus follower, I'm a servant. Because I'm a servant, I'm a contributor, not a consumer. Because I'm a Jesus follower, I'm not just part of the church. I am a part of, of something bigger. Man, we, we are the church. Because I'm a Jesus follower, this community needs me. Because I'm a Jesus follower, I need community. Because I, I need community, I embrace the city group. You see how identity begins to flow into activity? Now, you might be like, Drake, I, I'm not really a Jesus follower, so I don't really know if this applies to me. It absolutely does. Check it out. It, it applies in every arena of life. I, I don't eat junk food because I'm a healthy person. I'm organized. I live by a budget. I have self-control. Whatever the identity thing is that you want to embrace, that identity reinforces activity. So here's the question. Who do you want to become? Who do you want to become? I'm going to invite Daniel to come up and play. And as we reflect on this, I, I just wrote some things down. And I hope you'll get a pen and paper out. And I hope you'll take a moment and, and, and reflect for a minute. Who do you want to be? And for me, man, I was reflecting on, on just my life and, and what people might say about me at the end of my life. And I hope people will say things like, man, Drake loved Jesus. 
and he was crazy about his wife. Man, he, he, he was present, and he was fun, and he was a life-giving dad. He, he was rich in friendships. He was, he was rich in experiences. He was, he was rich in generosity. He was a great listener, full of love, full of grace, full of, full of truth. But you know what, man? He enjoyed the ride. Man, he loved people. And I don't know that people will say this, but maybe they will intuitively feel it. Someone might think, you know what? I'm closer to Jesus than I've ever been. And I'm more on mission than I've ever been because of his influence in my life. Why does this matter? Because successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. And I can't know what I should be doing without knowing first where I want to go and who I want to be. So who do you want to become? You know, if you're not a follower of Jesus, and I want you to take a moment and simply reflect, but the love of God is amazing. And you're invited to love God and love people. But let me help you understand that, that loving God is not something that you manufacture in, in and of yourself, but rather it's something that you respond to and it's something that you receive. That Jesus dying on the cross in our place for our sins was the demonstration of the love of God for me and for you. And Jesus rising again from the grave is the demonstration of the power of God to make you not just better, but new. And Jesus changed me, friends, and he can change you. And maybe today for the first time you're ready to say, Drake, I'm ready to follow Jesus and give him my life. Jesus, I'm sorry for, for where I fall short, and I need you to save me and set me free. For those of you that are, that are followers of Jesus, I want to give you a couple action steps on the screen. Work on who you want to be this week. Write it down. Get it on some paper. And as you work on that who goal, identify a few things that, that you do occasionally that you'd like to start doing consistently. And lastly, and share it in your city group. Let me pray for you. God, thanks so much for our time today. And show us who you want us to be and help us to move in that direction. It's in Jesus' name.